Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tanelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Cagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. On this episode, we're getting very supreme, talking about two recent video releases, Hockey's Dancing on Thin Ice, but first, let's get into Noah's Jolie Rouge. Noah is a streetwear brand founded by former Supreme creative director, Brendan Babenzian. So it's no surprise that they've created a skate team to up their relevancy in the world. Last weekend, they dropped Jolie Rouge, featuring Bobby DeKaiser, Chris Millick, Yalde Hallberg, Nick Michelle, Kyoto Yumeki, Coles Bailey, Quinn Batley, and Troy Gibson. Patrick, who stood out to you in Jolie Rouge? Two people, Bobby DeKaiser and Yalte Hallberg. Um, actually, I liked, I liked this video, but there's a couple of things that were contradictory about it. But I'll get to that in just a second. So first of all, the music direction was really, really, really on point. It reminded me of a period of serious insomnia I had back in 2008. I was kind of just digging through very, very early YouTube and looking for deep cuts by A.R. Kane, Echo and the Bunnymen, just just being on a, a, it was an era of real discovery. And this felt like a mixtape from that era because especially... Bobby DeKaiser skating to ultra vivid scene. That was nice. That was a really, really, really good choice. But the thing is, there's something about this video that feels weird, right? So I have a couple of good buddies who have been longtime streetwear heads. And like, Noah is cool, but Noah, it almost feels like Noah is trying to occupy the same lane that Polo is in. And that's a bit contradictory to me, right? Because it's mad old school. It's, you know, it's understated. Um, it, it, there's something about it that is, it's very much for like, it's almost like for the grown and sexy crowd in streetwear. But the thing <laughs> is, that's a lane that Polo done been occupying for a significantly longer period of time. Also, what was a little bit odd was that I watched a whole bunch of the previous Noah edits as well as their collabs with Frog. I believe they also took a trip out to Hawaii. And there's, when you look at, when you look at Frog, Frog has a very sort of like, homespun, almost kitty. It reminds me of a lot of the bands on Sarah Records from the UK in the 1980s, like uh, very sort of RG, R shucks, wearing a big anorak and kind of mawkish and feeling a little bit bashful. There's something about that. And like, it feels like those two are like, those two sentiments are oil and water. And you almost figure that, you almost figured that a Noah would be going for something like that first the unofficial first Supreme video, Love Supreme. Just black and white, a lot of city cruising, something like that. But this is, it's an interesting take. It's an, it works, but there's something about it that just feels like the feel is a little bit off. You think the feel is off like in the video or just like the fact that it's from Noah? Because I feel like yeah, the video is rad. The video is, yeah, the, the video is cool, but the thing is like, but from Noah, I, I guess there's part of me that was expecting something a little bit more, like I said, grown and sexy, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, <laughs> right? Jason, back me up on this one. Like, yeah, a, a little bit. Some, some I, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I, I took a look at their uh, some of their shit on their site. It's almost like polo with like a little tiny edge. Like if you want to wear like a uh, leopard print sweater vest. One time, which I would, I would totally cop. It was sold out. I would have cop the leopard print sweater vest because I love sweater vests and cardigans and shit like that. But yeah, this video, I mean, it was like it was very current, like hashtag current. It's like the way that kids skate now. You know what I mean? Like your average sixteen to twenty-two kid 
is going to be like skating, like may, might be skating your skateboard, maybe one rail, maybe two rails. You a know lot of mean? big spins. Yeah, big spins, like doing like step off tricks, not really like traditional uh, middle of the road ledge skating, which is cool. You know, I thought the uh, for the music, I thought Patrick did the music supervision because it sounded like just like that last uh, playlist you did, like the jingle jangle <laughs> one. That was me. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the same vibe as that last playlist. You know what I mean? Like kind of like jingle jangly, like Britpop deep cuts or whatever. That was sick. I thought Nick Nick Michelle had a good part. He's pretty special. He has something going on. Brought back the Dag Park Hubba, which is sick from uh, like the late 90s, early 00s. Which Hubba is that? That's the one that's a Hubba with the silver knobs on it. And he does a 5-0 and like pops out. Oh, yeah. That was super rad. Um, yeah, that park is at this plaza in New York. It's called, like, wait, I looked it up. It's over by the UN. It's called that Dog, like, Hammerskill Plaza. And, oh, like, the God. Yeah, like, they're in any other city, it would be, like, a super skated plaza. But, like, in New York, there's so many spots, like, no one even bothered. You know what I mean? There's, like, a super long ledge at the bottom and shit. Hmm. Yeah, it, I think it was Knob, like, like the early 2000s or whatever. But, yeah, that was sick. But, uh, yeah, some of the stuff. I mean, wasn't really putting their best foot forward like that kickflip five zero at Pyramid. Oh, with the with the, the kind of the very awkward footing, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That probably should have tried it again or left it out. Also, that uh, that super long frontside nose slide where he like touches. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even. I don't know. Like if those rules even apply anymore. Like hand touch, whatever, sketchy landing. See, yeah, I, I feel like those kind of rules are out the fucking window. Yeah, no. yeah, there, there you go. You know what I mean? I mean, people don't even put, they put like non-makes in videos now. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Which is it, almost sacrilege. I mean, Templeton, do you think that on one hand, like, so it, the video is very au courant, right? It is very much of its time. Do you think that at some point we will look back or people will look back at this video and say, Ah, you know, I watched it when it came out, but I never, you know, I never gave it much thought afterwards. Or are they going to look back and say Bobby DeKaiser had an ill part in that? And I really liked it because of that. Yeah, I don't think it's got staying power. You know, like two weeks from now, you know, we're not going to be talking about it. Yeah, I, I think that the sketchy kickflip five zero was kind of like a. That's the point. It was in there to like give you a flavor of the session, and it it wasn't like right. here's a clip of a kickflip five zero. It was like here's a clip of what's what it's like to skate with us which in that case that's fine i feel like it, it's like right on the border where like you kind of don't know which which category it falls in but I, I feel like it falls into that more like vibe category than actually like look at this hard trick that i'm doing because i'm sure yeah. he could do it good but then what would be the point then would just be another kickflip 5-0 it wouldn't have stood out it wouldn't have we wouldn't even be talking about it would we right like a kickflip yeah. 5-0 is kind of like intro ledge tech and yeah, there's, you know, I think there's also something to, to be considered here, right? Um, so Brendan Babenzian was the former creative director for Supreme. And he was the creative director for Supreme in what was known as its, I think, was its imperial phase, right? Because Noah was started, um, I guess it was like kind of like a, had a false start. Maybe it was, a, what, 2002 to 2006. So it was probably like a little side project, right? And um, I'll throw a link in the show notes if I haven't already. But there's an interview that talks uh, where he's he talks about deciding to go all in with Noah 
And he mentions that it was actually his wife. And his wife chimes in in the interview. It may have been an interview with the two of them together. She says that I really pushed him to leave Supreme and do something different. And first of all, I got to say that's an awesome thing. I think that if you are lucky enough to have a partner who pushes you well outside of your professional comfort zone and encourages you to really try something, try some new shit, that's a really, really, really awesome thing. Because uh, from that initial discomfort, and I mean discomfort like those conversations, you're talking about money, you're talking about the family plan, like what are we going to do? You know, are you going to hold me down while I try to do this and we max out a bunch of credit cards to start this business? Like that's really dope. I, I really appreciated that insight. But I really wonder, you know, I wonder, like, uh, deciding to go this lane with Noah and getting into skating, too, wouldn't he also anticipate that people would compare his work with Noah to his work with Supreme? Because skating, you know, skating is a core part of Supreme's business ethos, its identity, right? It's, and with it's Noah, like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a damn skate shop. It's it's shop. With, with Noah, it's like... Uh, it almost feels like um, this is a late introduction. Like it felt like they were dabbling and this is more formal. Whereas with Supreme, it was always right there and in your face. And I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I wonder if the, like, the, I wonder if he, I wonder if that played into, you know, plays into some of his, into some of his thinking about deciding to do a video. Cause you know, you don't just do this, you know, casually, you don't put out one video, you put out a video with the intention of being like, I'm going to do some more, I'm going to do some more edits, like you're, you're entering the game. Well, I, I mean, it's clear to me that Brendan Babenzian is a skater, you know, I, I believe that's him skating the skate park on the big green board with the blue hat in that little yep. skate park section, which we didn't really need, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's clear to me that skateboarding is part of you know him and they had like a bowl in their first pop-up shop so like skateboarding has been a part of noah so it, it doesn't feel too like contrived but um yeah i don't know I'm, I'm here for it it's fine yeah i mean it's a little more legit than like what was that other brand that came out with a sick team like in a sick video with like a <laughs> sick cyrus bennett part uh like a few months ago stussy yeah yeah stussy Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, like uh, at this point, yes, yeah, Stussy used to be like pretty skate, but at this point, they like were, just, they were like skate adjacent. I mean, that's yeah, the thing yeah. about that's the thing about streetwear, right? Like streetwear is so tied to skate culture, right? Especially now that and because skateboarding has become much more open, like this is a very open period. Like it's it's a bit like an open bar, right? It's like it's like y'all come. You want to yeah. do a skate brand? Cool. You want to screen up some boards? All right, word. It's legit. It, it, there's less of a gatekeeper mentality, right? Yeah. But, you know, I, you know, I just can't help but think about, first of all, comparison in competition, comparison to what's come before from, you know, somebody from, this is somebody with a serious streetwear pedigree, you know? This isn't just anybody. This is a cat who, like I said, was in, you know, responsible for, was partially responsible for Supreme's imperial phase, that era where they could literally do no wrong, where they were just basically taking shit over in terms of uh, what was cool, what kids wanted, and what kids wanted to wear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the shit, well, the thing with Noah is, like, at least the store, you can walk into it, and B, the shit is readily available. Like, Supreme, it's like, there's a line, it's like, oh, last time I was there, like, went to the one in Brooklyn, went by the, the first one or whatever on Lafayette Street. It's like there's a lot. A line is really weird. It's No one's talking. Everyone's totally quiet. There's security guards. It's like a weird vibe. At least, no, you can kind of walk in and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's like available, you know? Yeah. You know, 
you don't have to make a plan for like, okay, 11 a.m. Thursday, like, all right, I got my credit card. You know what I mean? You don't have to come up with like a battle plan. Exactly. <laughs> which, which I think even Supreme has acknowledged has has become kind of absurd. Like it is oh, yeah. sort of it's it's warped. It's not only warped their perception of themselves, but also the way that they're perceived by the public. And also, you know, there's also the you know, there's also the conversations about that huge infusion of cash that came from an investment by Carlisle Group. You now have skateboarding, maybe not necessarily skate media, but you have skaters talking. Sorry, Nine Club. You have skaters actually talking about what does it mean for a major skateboarding brand to have a shitload of money, you know, from a major manufacturer like the Carlisle Group or a major, you know, investor, manufacturer, arms trader, whatever you want to call it. Even if they're not doing the arms trade, the fact that they did do it, it's a part of their history. Yeah, I mean, my feeling is, like, like I think, like, the business brain for everybody is, like, growth over everything else forever. And it's, like, that's not sustainable. Uh, and I think that the endless pursuit of growth is what hurt Alien and Habitat and probably a lot of other brands. Probably is, you know, what happened to Zero. So World? I, yeah, World, like... You know, if you can just stay sustainable, stay cool, like that's probably like a better way to go if you want to still be in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Or blow up fast and sell everything and then, you know, have your beachside cottage just chill. Yeah, that, then then your brand turns into like uh, Echo or something and, and you're in like Burlington Coat Factory or whatever. Oh, right. God. Shout, yeah. out, yo, shout, shout out Burlington Coat Factory. They, there's some dope shit in there. Hell yeah, that Marshalls, TJ Maxx, man, they always like, yo, you can get fresh for less. Yeah, yeah exactly. But but then that's a good, I think that's a, a, a something that, you know, I think is worth kind of poking at and discussing is, you know, what happens when a cool brand really loses its cool? I mean, think about Echo was unstoppable and then Echo bought Zoo and then like Zoo York is in the midst of a, a reboot that was, you know, it's been delayed because of COVID, but like, you know, Zoo kind of had this thing where they started licensing the name out to other countries and to other companies. And like this one from being the, they put out probably one of the dopest videos of the 1990s with Mixtape, had an ill team, like the whole vibe was amazing. And now, and then it went to being in Macy's, to being sort of like, um, it became a brand like you'd have bouncers, you know, bouncers on like the, the Lower East Side or in the East Village, you know, 2011 rocking like a zoo york hoodie telling you just like nah hey big man big man no hats tonight (laughs) yeah i mean and that's like that pursuit of money over longevity yeah and i'm sure you know those people making those decisions walked away with a lot of money more money than they would have had had they just stayed the course and stayed cool and sustainable okay then here's a here's a hard-hitting question for both of y'all if ralph Lauren. You know, they had a very successful collab with Palace. What if they made a phone call to a couple heavy hitters in skating and said, yo, we need a TM, we need a creative director, Polo doing a skate team, call me back if you're ready for it. Is skateboarding, would skateboarding be ready for that? Like, this is, this is Polo calling. This is Ralph Lauren the god. Yeah, I don't know. But the thing about skaters rocking Polo or whatever, like, that was, you know, that was just what they what they were into, you know what I mean? What the kids were into at the time, like Nautica jackets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you go into a rave, put on your freshest polo, you know, Gore-Tex jacket or whatever the fuck, yeah. you know? And kids these days, I think we probably said this before, said a million times, like, they're more into, like, looking like, you know, the whole, like, thrift movement, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Like, let me find the oldest, dirtiest, like, uh, Leonard Skinner t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Wear, wear some jeans with, like, patches on them and shit. You know what I mean? So, I don't even know if that would be, like, the move. Like, skaters like me, who are still in the polo and who's still dressed like it's 1998 or whatever, would probably be psyched. But, you know what I mean? For, like, the, uh, your average skate kid probably not. wouldn't be too hype. Yeah. Your average skate kid doesn't even wear a Supreme anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. That's I a mean, really for good the, point. For the most part. <laughs> That's for people who are like going to the club. They're like, "Oh, I got this, you know, Supreme shirt or whatever with like Sade on it or whatever." You know? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Yo, check it out. This is Sade on my shirt." Sade, yeah, cool? Sade, Sade. <laughs> I saw someone at the at the bar with like a Supreme Sade shirt. I was like, "Oh man, fuck with that Supreme shirt." He was like, "Cool." You know what I mean? Didn't skate. You know what I mean? Of course, but I mean that's yeah. that's who's that's who's funding that's who's funding skating. That's the thing, though. You know, the hype beasts are keeping a lot of our heroes. At the very least, allowing them to travel. I don't know if they're getting fed or if they're you oh, know, yeah. able to maintain a, a decent bank balance, but the hype beast culture is up, you know, I is mean, upholding, you yeah. know, a significant portion of skating. But uh, Templeton, would you would you be down for a polo skate team? Is this something that could be pitched? Sure. I mean, I would take that call. I'd take that call. I mean, I'd, I'd be down to do do a mostly skateboarding X polo collab <laughs> to help help launch the brand. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Wait. Can we get like a uh, like a seersucker blazer? Oh, that'd be ill. <laughs> I mean, a skate blazer would be fucking sick. Polo X uh, Ralph Lauren like seersucker blazer or whatever. Hey, look, listen, Let's Polo, go. if you're listening, just give us a call one eight hundred two two three nine seven nine seven. Yeah, Ralph, hit us up. Actually, it, see, here's the thing though, right? The Polo Palace thing worked so well, right? Because you know, Polo had never done anything like this, and it was uh, it, it it worked. It it looked good. The pieces are timeless. They incorporated the bear with a skateboard. It was it was dope. And it, it it's it's a sort of thing that you could wear to go see you know, for example, go see your parents, go out on date night. Back when we all used to do that, you know, Polo Palace. Oh, yo, the Polo Palace loafers. Oh my god! But like a Polo skate team, a Polo skate team. Even just like, even if it was just like they put out like one edit, it would be legendary. It would be amazing. Yeah, I think I'd, uh, I'd probably take that call too. Actually, <laughs> to brand manage the Polo's gay team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just like, like imagine if they said like, here, like, what do you want? Just like, I just want everything to look like the Snow Beach collection. <laughs> oh yeah, man, man, damn dude. But yeah, like back to like Palace and shit. Like your average skate kid isn't wearing like the Palace, Palace like. Averex or whatever, you know. Oh, hell no. But like, they obviously used like all the money to like fund like cool ass shit. Like they made that park. Yep. Last Walk winter, couple, yeah, they made that park like a couple winter, a couple winters ago. They make like legit videos that are some of the sickest videos. So, you know, it's kind of how it is in the, in the modern world, I guess. Yeah, you get in where you fit in. You get, get in how you, you live. Yeah. Like uh, there was that story. Like Lev was saying that they there was one stay in L.A. that they had where they say, at the Chateau Marmont, like, the whole gang. And he said that, you know, at some point they ordered deep-fried Oreos at room service just because they could. <laughs> and you figure that these guys were all living in a crappy, probably, row house, you know, group house. Like, we've all lived in, like, band houses, skate houses, a bunch of cats, you know, just coming and going. Who, who would, I think they were thinking, like, we're living our wildest dreams right now. We may as well enjoy it. Yeah, take those opportunities when you can get them because they, you know, don't come around too often. Oh, hell no. 
But like with with Noah, I guess with Noah it feels different. Like so with Noah, it, it feels organic. Like so, like their connection to skating is is legit. And Babenzian obviously has like a deep, deep, deep history. Again, I gotta I gotta give props for the music direction because it oh, felt yeah. good. It, it felt really, really, really good. And I think what's helpful is that what's helpful about that is that you're gonna have like a, a generation of kids who are watching videos right now. With some pretty out, like pretty out there stuff. Like there was a period where, for example, like Ultra Vivid scene, uh, AR Kane, like this was stuff that was on. Yeah, they both bands were on 4AD, and you know, there's stuff. It's not like their stuff was out of print, out of print, but it could be kind of difficult to come by. And for years, I could not find anything about the group AR Kane, and I loved them from the first time I heard them. A friend of mine gave me a, uh, a mixtape with them on it, and I said. He's like, yo, you'll like this. It's like these two black guys from East London. They make shoegaze. I was like, what? Um, and you know, it's it's cool. Now the internet has given a lot of these kids access that we all, as older people, never got to have. The, you know, there's stuff that they can discover and they can look up. And you know, in the best case scenario, sometimes this has resulted in bands getting back together, or at the least, at the very least, you know, records being re-released, reprinted, or somebody doing a remaster, whatever. And that's actually really, really positive. So, you know, props to whoever did the, you know, props to whoever did the, uh, the, the soundtrack, whoever who did the, uh, the music supervision, because it worked. It actually, it, it worked really, really, really well. Um, but I guess I just wonder, with so many people doing brands, so many people doing skating. I mean, Jason, you could talk about this like from like the early '90s perspective. Like, what happens to all like. You know, for every world industries 101 that's you know succeeded, what happens to all like who is today's equivalent of Jugs or Clout? Oh <laughs> man, I don't, I don't know. There's so many little brands out there. I wouldn't want to uh, like call anyone out or whatever. But yeah, there's oh no, this is not, not not to call them out, but just like at the time in the, think. in the early to mid 90s, there was that period there was like a ton of companies, and some of our favorite pros rode for them. And then one day the shit was gone. Like color, for example, is a good example of one. Oh, ooh, color was sick. That was like uh, color was fucking gnarly. Like that video was like Markovich and like Jeremy Rain shit. Yeah, what's his uh, Kyle was... uh, Yanagimoto skating the black yeah, flag? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I could see nine one seven being one of those brands that was like, oh, that was sick, but then it just kind of like fizzled out. Oh well, yeah, nine one seven is super sick, but who knows what's going on there? Maybe like um. Brian Anderson's board company, like 3D, that oh, kind of came and went. Short-lived, but uh, short-lived but important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's dude, there's fucking so many. But um, back to like the uh, the Garmento shit. I was looking at the Noah site, and the, their sweatshirts, like their regular hoodies and like crew neck sweatshirts, they're made in Canada. And this is kind of like common knowledge, like it's kind of apocryphal or whatever. Like the first Supreme sweatshirts that they had, in, like the mid to late 90s were made in Canada. They had some supplier in Canada, mm -hmm. and they're basically, like, the best sweatshirts ever. Like, they're fucking indestructible. Like, I still have them from, like, 1996 or whatever. Yeah. So so if it's that same sweatshirt supplier, it might be worth looking into. So if you're in the hoodies or whatever. Oh, yeah, they're probably taking advantage of um, NAFTA production, which actually leads to, I think, um, something that we, we should touch on is the idea of sustainability and green production, because that's something that Babenzian talks about a lot in his interviews. And I have some feelings about this as somebody who's worked in and consulted on corporate social responsibility. Do y'all think that 
especially when it comes to skate clothing and clothing in general, uh, like what are y'all's opinions on companies or brands being very, very, very actively open about trying to be sustainable? And do you think it's actually possible? It's cool. I mean, like I fuck with it. Like, you know, it's a noble uh, goal or way to be, but it shouldn't be on them to, to stop uh, climate change. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of stupid. It's basically, you know what I mean? It's, everyone knows why climate change is happening. And it ain't because of uh, some street company, streetwear company making their shit in China or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's cool, but I don't, th- I don't think like the audience or, or uh, people who buy this shit really care. No, so I mean, for the most do, part, do skaters not care? Did did uh, Soul Tech waste a whole bunch of money doing that green friendly uh, campus back in the early two thousands when they were getting Boku dollars? I mean, yeah, maybe. It, yeah, like I don't know. they might have wasted money in terms of like marketing value or whatever. But I I feel like you know investing in a green campus has has its benefits you know that are worth doing just for the sake of being more sustainable and doing less damage. Yeah, it, it's. I feel, I think it's a great thing for smaller companies to be speaking out about it. Um, I think it's, especially because when you're working at this margin, that it is uh, actually much easier. It's a little easier to affect some change, but I don't know how you can make it part of the normal, the average skater's conversation. Uh, it's, it's difficult enough for just like the everyday regular, you know, regular, regular consumer to get them to think about and to talk about, you know, the price of a T-shirt, as you know, which is the name of a book about, you know, what goes into making a single, you know, cotton T-shirt, right? The amount of labor and the water that's used and the land and that kind of thing. I think what's really tough is that if you're making new clothes, you are, you are, you know, you are part of a supply chain, and that supply chain is something that is obviously going to be polluting the earth. You're going to be creating wastewater. You know, you're going to be creating uh, smoke runoff. There will be there will be labor issues. It's not like it was in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, where the main concern was child labor. Uh, the big concern now is just overwork because seasons are shorter. Companies, um, unfortunately, companies just make more shit. Companies make a, you know, you, what used to be four seasons is now eight, right? Right. Um, like what you see in fast fashion. Noah is obviously not fast fashion. It's all, you know, relatively limited runs and, you know, they're not trying to create as much stuff. But, you know, going back to that thing about skaters, you know, wanting to wear old Motley Crue shirts, which is <laughs> I approve of on, on many, many, many levels. Uh, it's also more sustainable. I mean, yeah. like, how do, you, how do you square that? Because buying secondhand clothes, buying thrifting clothes is better for the environment. It's, um, it's also better for workers, right? You know, because, yeah. you know, you are not, uh, you, you're not creating this... You know, you're not creating all of this stress on a supply chain and making people having to work ridiculous hours and unsafe conditions just to make your, you know, your your limited edition shirt or your limited run shirt. But then why should we, you know, we have to worry about stifling people's creativity. People should be able to start up new clothing brands. They should be able to start up new clothing lines. Not everything has to be or needs to be secondhand, but... I, I don't know how you have that conversation in skating. It, it's it's tough enough to just talking about this from a labor perspective, never mind an environmental one. Yeah, it's, it seems to me like on the street level, sk- most skaters are up on like, you know, BLM, social type of shit more than like environmental shit. 
You know what I mean? Maybe more so in Cali where gas is so expensive. Yep. <laughs> and um, everyone drives a Prius or, or a Tesla. Or so it seems. I don't know. But, yeah, it seems like a tough sell for your average, uh, average street-level regular skater. You know what I mean? Yeah, how do you get to, I guess, how do you get the average skater to give a shit? Like, really <laughs> yeah, give a shit? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I don't know. Like, maybe because most skaters are, like, when you're in high school, like, your brain is, like, fried. You're just thinking about skating and weeding girls and shit. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get anybody to give a shit about anything. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. if, if you can figure that out, I think you, you can uh, do a lot with that. You know, we need to find whoever, whoever, like, spearheaded the campaign to cut all your six-pack rings like we need that guy leading the charge because yeah. <laughs> i feel like that was super successful like i think everybody to this day still cuts their six-pack rings yeah true true I'll still do it over here but you know then it's like uh you know then that, that's putting all the the onus on the individual as opposed to pointing towards corporations or comp you know or uh manufacturers and saying like y'all gotta do y'all's part right Right, um, we need some some serious regulation, and I'm sure companies would say like we're just making what people want. You know, like they they yeah. don't they want to pay thirty five cents for a t shirt. They don't want to pay six dollars or thirty dollars or whatever. I don't know how much a t shirt costs. Um, Depends who makes it. Well, a Noah shirt, I think, is like sixty bucks, right? Right. But you know, I, yeah, give or take. I won't. Yeah, which, which you know, I mean, hey, I mean, if you're you're supporting you're supporting a, like. You know, you you if you think about it from a perspective of uh, where's my dollar going, you know, you're supporting a, you know, if this is your thing, this is a cool brand, you're supporting some cool skaters, you know, paying their rent, making sure that they can keep the shop open, and hopefully we'll continue to put out good videos. I won't stay on this soapbox. I won't stay on this soapbox too long, but I will say this: um, it is, in my experience, in having worked with some bigger brands, Nike, Adidas, uh, H and M, on corporate social responsibility. It is significantly easier to get corporations to talk about the human element of uh, improving uh, factory conditions, like the workers' rights component. Uh, but when you start talking about the environment, especially in the countries where most clothing is made in East Asia, Southeast Asia, and parts of South Asia, it gets really, 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 really hard. Um, oh, I mean... Uh... It's like, well, any regulation of, you know, big-ass corporations like your Nikes don't have you is going to have to come from the government. And we all know uh, how that story is going in terms yep. of, like, the current uh, current administration's views on, you know, just fucking, like, you know, deregulate everything. Yeah. You know I mean, so. And think about a country where, you know, a country that is an export-driven economy, right, and they're making most of their bread on making like a country like Bangladesh, right? Which makes a yeah. significant portion of its GDP is light manufacturing, light clothing, right? And, you know, you think about the conditions, like, for example, like you have uh, in Dhaka in Bangladesh, you know, you have lots of these multi-story buildings where, you know, let's say you have a 10-story building, you have a different cut and sew line assembly factory on every different floor, maybe multiples in different floors. You know, one floor is doing, you know, such and such for Nike. Another one is doing such and such for H&M or CNA or uh, some, you know, somebody is doing like a quick sew thing for Kmart. You know, how do you introduce regulation into a place like that? Yeah. And obviously the corporations are going to go wherever. Yeah. Corporations being as they are, they're going to go wherever the labor is cheapest. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not an economics expert or anything. You know what I mean? So, Take that as a may, but yeah, it's just and then think, you know, capitalism. Or and think about also the the suppliers, right? The people who are your 
factory floor managers who've been doing this for 20 or in China, like say 40 or 50 years, right? But Deng Xiaoping was 78. The, you know, the opening of the Chinese market for light manufacturing and then heavy manufacturing for export. So, you know, you've got people who are experts, like, like this is, they've been getting bread like this for at least two decades, right? Yeah. So why do they want to screw up a good thing? Yeah, yeah. they don't. I, I think it's all just going to have to be a slow incremental change. I think that's the only way any of this shit really starts to change. So, you know, in 70 years, things might look a little bit better. <laughs> uh, do we have that time <laughs> yeah i don't know if we have that time yeah watch us all live that long and have to go through it. it's like dang we should have we should have done this sooner it'd be like uh <laughs> when you decide to leave your homework to sunday night yeah exactly as humanity <laughs> yeah speaking of giant global corporations fucking uh, awesome world entertainment all day every day <laughs> on wednesday anthony van england and his hockey team skated across thin ice delivering us the kevin rodriguez footage we've been waiting for uh, along with hits from the, the rest of the heavy squad jason did hockey score or are they heading to the penalty box for that uh whatever video effect they put across the whole video that made it look like they filmed off a crt monitor yeah i mean for me this was like kevin and anthony and Aiden's pack of lies. You know what mm. I mean? Especially, you know, they had like kind of nod at the beginning with like the Aiden Mackey coming soon in the same like font as the beginning of Tim Henry's. Ooh, I didn't catch that reference. That's interesting. That's deep. Yeah. That's deep. I mean, like they've said it in millions of interviews, like Dill and Abe are both like Tim and Henry guys. You know what I mean? They're like my age. They came up in that era. They wor- worshiped that video, watched it zillions of times. So, I mean, that's probably going to have an influence somewhere down the line. But, uh, yeah, for me, it was all about the A part. You know I mean? Kevin Rodriguez is super good for that genre of skating that he does. Uh, Aiden Mackey is the world's best dirt skater. They're going to have to knob the dirt at some point in L.A. If people start, you know what I mean? They knob the dirt. They're going to have to start oh, knob- the, the, They're already putting rocks down in some of these places. Yeah. You, what? You, no shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like uh, anti-homeless stuff, but... Uh, yeah, because you don't want people laying out there, but, you know, it's it's what's called uh, defensive architecture, you know? So you kill two birds with one stone. People yeah. won't camp on it and sleep on it, and skaters won't skate on it and ruin all the, the grass that you've planted that was going to turn brown anyway. Right. They really knob the dirt. That's a, God damn it, dude. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah, back to um, Van England. Like, yeah, the longer he continues to rip... Like he's ripping, like the higher for me he goes on the all time list. You know what I mean? I think you're right. This man is 42. Like, he's, yeah, it's 42, 43, still doing like ledge dancing and shit and hauling ass and doing switch tray flips and switch heel flips over curb cuts and shit and flipping out and shit at picnic tables. He's basically like in uncharted territory. Like, I, like not even like Andrew Reynolds is like going as hard in terms of street training as this guy. So. Definitely yeah. not Costin. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, Costin might come out with like a, uh, like a, some like goofy like bank to ledge trick or something where, you know what I mean, with transition. But yeah, this dude's pretty inspirational, man. I said it before, like, unbelievable. Like, still, he did the old uh, Smolik maneuver, like the tail slide to no slide or whatever. Yeah, tail slide to whatever. That yeah, ledge front dance. Tail move to front nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that ledge dance move at the, uh, I think that spots at USC or whatever. But, yeah, that was pretty inspirational. I liked the music. I thought it was funny. Like, they used typo negative 
for the Kevin Rodriguez part, and they went right into like simply red. You oh, know that was I mean? so good. Yeah, if, I mean that's pretty genius. Whoever did that, if that was Dill's idea, I mean something tells me. Yeah, shout out Typo Negative. Even though that guy said he wanted a uh, you know, rest in peace Pete from Typo Negative. Even though he said he wanted Israel to like fall into the sea, but whatever. <laughs> Typo Negative is pretty dope. I'm I'm just I'm stunned. Like now that I really think about it, like this dude is 42 and skating like this. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's almost like he's better than he's ever been. Like, maybe Minefield was, like, the peak of, like, Gnar and Tech for Abe, but I feel like he's pretty Tech, and he's still, like, brutalizing spots. Yeah, he's putting a hurting on those spots. Yeah, I mean... And great the, fits. Yeah, so, yeah, like, plain white t-shirt, a plain white t-shirt and a backwards uh, fitted, or snapback will never go out of style. Yeah, and he's, he's a pretty jacked dude. And I, I reread his Chrome Ball before this, and you know he he he's a pretty self-aware man. And just to see like what this man has been through in his life, you know, you know his struggle with uh, with sobriety, and now he's married, he's got a family, he's and he's skating like this, and he's still relevant. He's still cool. Like he's still. He's like, this is, you know, like how with some artists, you know, some musicians, they'll put out a record and people will say, oh, it's a return to form, right? Yeah. He never fell off. He never, no. This dude never fell off. It feels like, like, I, I thought Propeller would be it, right? Propeller would be like a nice coda to his career. Nah, man. I think he could do another one. But maybe him and Dill could do like, you know, their own Tim and Henry's. And initially I was kind of frustrated by, um, the kind of the grainy CRT stuff footage. But now I'm actually, now that I think about it, it makes this, it makes this part, it makes this video actually stand out, right? It, it's deliberate. And it also kind of delivers on a couple other things. Uh, Kevin Rodriguez, who we've always seen hints of how good he is. And we've kind of been waiting and waiting because he had good stuff on Polar, but now it feels like he's coming to his own. And I remember reading some interview with, um, Corey Duffel, and apparently Kevin Rodriguez has really good taste in music, and he is apparently like a really emotionally aware and, and, and clever uh, and friendly dude. And his skating, it, it's it's really grown on me. It's actually really, really, really grown on me. And Aiden Mackey, I mean, interesting dude. I guess you know what he he has a lane. It, like he fits a lot better on hockey than he did on Nine One Seven. And I don't know. I still think it's unforgivable that they had him skate into Todd Rundgren in that uh, <laughs> seven video. Like, I think whoever I think that was, it was cool, like the, I thought I fuck with Todd Rundgren. I mean, Todd Rundgren is cool, <laughs> but I, I feel like that video. You know, it was like it, it felt like such like musically it felt like such a disappointment. Like I was just like because I had Miller and Colin. I was like, really? Like you guys are putting four one one skate music in a, in what was like the most anticipated video of that year. Like this is a like this is a joke, right? And it seems like they were dead serious about it. And how does like a, such a cool brand put such uncool Southern California? Oh, I got my girlfriend and my skateboard music in it, even though Mill and Colin are from Sweden. I don't know. I, I think nine one seven isn't that cool. Like they're not as cool as their action. They're like supposed to be in reality. Oh, so they're like they're like the Jordan Catalano of, of skating. <laughs> I think that's good. I never thought of it that way, but I think that's right. You know, like, we, we all, like, we're like Angela from My So-Called Life. We are like, crushing hard on 917, <laughs> and we find out just, like, wait a minute, maybe this guy isn't that interesting. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> God. 
Sorry, Alex. I mean, I, I love I love their shit. And I love uh, the clothes are great, but just like that video, just like man. I loved the video when it when it came out, but I I, I feel oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. I've kind of soured on the whole nine one seven thing because it, it like it doesn't seem like Alex cares. So why should I care? Is it that he doesn't care, or it's like I mean, it's admittedly hard. I've never run a brand, but I don't know. I don't you know. you just knuckle down and you do it. <laughs> Should, should, like, should there be like, like a, a, a TV show, like, like, a, like you know, like Bar Rescue, Brand Rescue? Brand Rescue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's like I said last time, like, if you run a brand, you have to be all about it 24-7. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and he, it seems like he has other interests. Nothing you know wrong I mean? with like, that. No, no, nothing wrong. But, like, Dill, you can tell Dill just sits in his little house in uh, Silver Lake or wherever. You're just doodling, coming up with art and shit. You know what I mean? All the time. Yeah. Oh, he moved. Like, he lives in, uh, I think, uh, Ventura now, just over the oh, county yeah. line. I thought oh, it was yeah, like Pasadena yeah. or something near. Nah, he's up near in one Ventura. of his riders' house, mom's house or something. Nah, he's a Ventura. He got his got his mom and her boyfriend an apartment. And like he's, you know, he's he's doing right, doing right by the family. I think he just had to. He was living in Hollywood for a minute, and I think shit was getting a little hectic for him. And Maybe he was falling back into some old habits or some shit. So he uh, dipped out to um, he dipped out over the just over north from um, where my in-laws are at in Woodland Hills. And yeah, he's he's doing the Ventura County thing. I I don't think he drives either. So I don't like he's really like you know he's really in this like this nest this bubble. Like that's what Jason, you're right. Like he is 110 percent devoted to FA hockey. Like that this is just what he does. Yeah, and that's why it's so good. So, uh, Templeton, what do you think of uh, Aiden's part there? You know, it's like he—he's not my taste. He like he doesn't land as much as your average pro skater. You know, he—he's—he uh, makes a lot out of a little somehow. I think the manuals are funny. You know, I wonder like what is, what does like a Joey Brzezinski think of Aiden Mackey's manuals? Like they're kind of cool, but also it's like. You know, he just like switch manual across like a, a parking island, and that was the trick. And I also wait, yeah. I wait, also hold. really hate long manuals. Really? Yes. You really hate them. Yes. Why? Temples, it's temples made boring. That clear. Even day one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like if you're if you're doing a manual on Instagram, I'm most likely not going to see whatever trick you do out of it. Wow. You just scroll past it. I just scroll past it. Wow. I don't got time for that shit. (laughs) Wait, speaking of long manuals, let me ask you guys this. Do you think there was some, like, Powell magic, like some Mike Ternaski magic going on on, like, one of the long manuals? Because, it was, like, on a sidewalk going down the hill, and they show Mm -hmm. the first part, and then the the shot, like, changes or whatever to a different camera angle. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the angle change was probably there because they're like, fuck, this is really boring. We got got to spice this up. People are going to be bored because you're manualing for so long. Yeah, that's boring. Like, like people can do that. That's not impressive. I'd like to submit that manual for uh, VAR. We'd like to have the refs take another look at it. (laughs) Like like challenge, like challenge manuals. Yeah, there's a flag flag on the play. Flag on the play. Yeah. He's... He's good, you know. Like, like I said, I think he he fits in. It works. It works for hockey. And actually, yeah. Again, the the VCR effect has grown on me. It, it 
It it works. I mean, the joint the joint like uh, it's it makes the shit look it makes the shit look memorable. And to to Jason's earlier point, Dill's dedication to the brands that he's working on really really shows. And it's in some ways it's a little bit it's a bit nuts. It's really strange, but it works really really well because people are obviously people are talking about it. People are hyped, and you know you compare that to say. 917, you know, this is not to beat up on Alex Olsen or his brands or his works because I love Bianca Chandon, like Bianca Chandon, and that, like, that's my shit right there. I, I, I guess like, it, it feels like you feel, it feels like with 917, with, with Alex's company, something must be up because you have all these defections, right? Mm-hmm. It's not by accident that a bunch of your, your best and brightest end up all going to like the same organization. Like you're like the triple A team for FA hockey, you know? Right. Like when you get you, you join FA hockey, it's just like yeah, he's been called up from the majors, Aiden Mackey, you know. Yeah, I mean, I got to imagine that some of those dudes just feel like they could be doing more. You know, they could be going on more trips, getting more coverage, just doing more. And it's like you know, a pro skate career only lasts so long, so you got to get all the getting's good, and the getting doesn't seem that good over at nine one seven. Unless, unless, I mean, they they might have an ace up their sleeve. But yeah, I, but also, like y'all said, it, it, it is also really difficult. Like, this is a very, very involved thing. And Dill is older. Um, his life is different. His priorities are different. And also his, um, you know, like for some people, like their creative process is, you know, like let's put it this way. Like Dill's creative process is mature right now. Like he is at a point where he understands how he works, when he works best, how to deliver, you know, how to ship, you know, whatever it is he's doing. And so... You know, for Alex, Alex is like, what, 10, 15 years younger and probably still figuring it out. He's still like finding his, figuring out what his flow is. And like, it's, it's hard to do that. You, it's hard to figure that out, to figure yourself out personally and professionally and creatively all at once. And I think that's why most of us lose our shit when we, you know, turn 30 because life gets hard. You, all, all of a sudden you're asking a bunch of questions, especially if you're, if you're a creative person or you're a, uh, you know, if you do video art, whatever it is that you do, like, yeah, yeah. And Alex has to do it in front of everybody. And yep. You know, and I, I would imagine that he doesn't have to be successful with 917. You know, he's got money coming in from other directions. True. I, I don't know. Like, does 917 need a brand rescue? Like, or is like, was that like the, the super nanny? Like, <laughs> sounds like you're in trouble. I'm on my way. Or uh, or is or it should be more like that bar rescue show, which I love. Just it's just so silly. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you, like, do you get like a, you know, do you get a, a bunch of people? Do you say, hey, we're mostly skateboarding and we're here to save your brand? Who's gonna be the Gordon Ramsay who's like yelling at the art director? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's I don't think we're really like that. Is that our personality? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't but, know. Uh, we may have to uh, cultivate that character. Yeah. Yeah, you know. but back back to the uh, the video. A little question for y'all: Is the green curved bench a fake spot? I I saw it mentioned earlier on Twitter, and I was I was kind of wrestling with that. Like, is it like it kind of is? Like, is it different from Steve Barra's yellow flat bars? Because I kind of think like, it's not. Yeah, because that bent well. They didn't fabricate it. Like, it seems like those flat bars bear like welded together or whatever mm-hmm. so i i think it's it's closer to just taking a schoolyard picnic table and like 
putting it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like taking one to uh, your warehouse or whatever. But it's not a warehouse. Because, like, wasn't that bench at that old L.A. foundation spot or whatever? I it was. So. It was a street spot before. And then it got stolen and put on this foundation. And then, you know, many years later, it's reemerged in skating on thin yeah. ice. Dancing on thin ice, excuse me. I think it's a legit spot. I think also remember that, uh, unfortunately, like, there are some folks in skating who have a, a I don't know, whatever beef... They done been had a beef with Berra, right? And that does not exist in the same way for <laughs> FA hockey. So there's always going to be the, there's folks who have a bias against Berra. So he was never going to get a fair shake on that whole situation, which is unfortunate, right? It's Abe. It's an amazing part. Abe can skate whatever he wants. Uh, I give him that permission. Uh, he's definitely earned it. And also that green curve bench is sick. And so if they liberated it from an actual spot, that makes it even doper. Yeah, I feel like also the curved bench is almost like a nod to the past. I feel like there were a few little nods to the past in this yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. Like there was, was it Aiden Mackey who did the impossible over the fist? Yeah, yeah that yeah. was. You know, that's like a nod to photosynthesis and then like the font thing at the beginning. And Was Abe skating to Philip Glass? I think so. I don't know. I, try, I tried to Shazam it when I was watching it earlier. I got it. Didn't get, didn't get a response. But that felt like a like a nod to Alien to me. So yeah. I, I feel like there was there was some referencing going on in this video, and maybe the, maybe the yeah. the curved bench because it plays a part in this nod to a previous era gets a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, yeah. fuck, dude, the guy's almost like forty four. You know what I mean? Shit, that's wild. I can't dude, believe it. What 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 was that crazy trick he did on a? picnic table and a propeller was it like kickflip backside nose one slide or switch kickflip backside nose one slide did he do I both i can't remember it was like either it was like one of them which was which is crazy but uh yeah back to aiden mackie like i i think he's better than his footage portrays like if you can fucking impossible over a statue you know what i mean you could probably do some other shit yeah well, his gonna... ender was really fucking cool yeah like fakey fast like fakey pivot grind i don't know what to call it but it was rad yeah and i like well, i like him watching him skate bank to walls because you you're right maybe it, it's you know what that's this is where you need a trans world part right this is where you need a video shot by somebody else to showcase how rad this person is god that's such a good point yeah we yeah, need what, to see aiden mackie like, his, in uh, a different context what what was his ender like that on that bank to ledge like it was like a front side 180 pivot grind or something yeah, like a 180 fakey okay. 5.0. Looked like a switch nose grind. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah, that was gnarly, dude. You know what? Yeah, like we know this is lane, like oh, bombing hills, like doing crazy drop ins, doing like grass manuals or whatever. But it'll be interesting to see his uh, career trajectory, like once he gets a little bit older and gets some more power. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Thing. Also, uh, for the record, uh, skating those um, tree gaps, right? Like, especially where, um, or it's not tree gaps, what am I saying? Um, basically, those tree planters where you have a, there's kind of like an indentation in the sidewalk. Those are really, 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 really hard. No shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> never skated one. Even like trying know. to, even just trying to like go into like a slappy 50 50, a slappy 5 on one of those. Like, it takes like, it's like the, this perfect amount of speed and control. 
And like, it's such a, it still looks amazing and it's so hard. Yeah, like I'm basically skating a planter, which then, you know, I think we have to ask a question. Um, you know, Dill and Abe were really pioneers of a new style of skating and filming and a, like a certain vibe within videos, which is now the mainstream. And the Noah video is a reflection of that. And this, you know, this new hockey joint is also a reflection of that. So I think that begs a, a real question for skating, which is how do you rebel against this? Because now these guys are the establishment. At some point, this is not going to be cool. How do you, like, what's, how do you rebel against? Like, what is the thing that's going to well, make people start looking in another direction? Because it's going to happen. Like Aiden Mackey and Nick Michelle are going to start a company and that's, they're going to have the answer. You know, I, I think that's how, that's where it comes from. You know, like the people who are, who've been shaped by the new school, you know, rebel against it and create something new. Yeah. 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 Like maybe at some point, like Hardy's becomes a board brand or something or KB and Knack start something. It'll probably happen one of these days. That's the circle of life. I mean, that, that's... <laughs> There were rumors. There were a lot of rumors earlier this year. Like uh, there was a couple uh, threads on Slap where folks were asking some serious questions about folks on FA about where they were going to go. Um, these, I think these, those, those are legit conversations. At some point, these young cats are going to feel like, "Hey, I've earned enough money, or I'm getting checks from my shoe brand or from Supreme or whoever. Let me go and try something on my own." Yeah. But, yeah, for sure. Is it going to be a continuation, though? Or is it going to be... Because, like, Dylan Abe's whole thing was a rebellion against, you know, their time on the workshop, right? Like, they grew and they changed from that experience, but then they went and did something completely different. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it's yet to be seen, but I, I think that the next, the next wave is going to come from FA and hockey. You know, those, those people are going to be the ones to make the new thing. You know, I could see Sage being the one. He he seems like a, a thoughtful dude who's kind of like, oh yeah, sitting back and thinking. Yeah, great artist too. I mean, wasn't he like a full scholarship to? I can't remember. Was it Pratt Institute or SVA? One of those. One of those familiar. One of those places. Yeah, I remember he had an ad. Uh, him um, hanging off of a basketball hoop, and yeah, it said like he he was full ride for uh, for an art scholarship. So obviously, you got someone who can who's gonna. Visually, he's going to be doing some some really dope work, but is it going to be is it and is it going to be as monumentous as say Dylan Ave leaving, or even like probably the greatest exit of all time, which was you know the formation of Crail Tap, right? Or the formation of Plan B also? No, yeah. I think I think Girls Founding yeah. was probably the the biggest one, the biggest shock because yeah. I mean, they, they all dipped. That was like man, I'll tell you, it was like pre I just went to my shop to get the new slap or whatever. And they had the slap with like it was I think it was the first slap that wasn't like gigantic, you know what I mean? So they had yeah. the girl the first girl ad. I was just like, what the fuck? Like what I like, what is this shit? Girl skateboards? Like what? And the guy was like, yeah, they started a new company. It was like I couldn't I couldn't wrap my brain around it. It was crazy. I, could, I was such a like a World Energies kid. It was like what? It was yeah, it was ten of them. They all dipped same time. Yeah, I and mean you could like, kind of say that that happened when Alien went when everybody left alien you know you got quasi and you got fa out of it yeah and alien was even like a break off from like gnf even if you want to go that far back true so to speak so hey it'll happen one of these yeah they'll probably be just like oh well fuck it you know 
yeah, you know, let kids let let them go do their thing. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. He'll probably be stoked on it. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he knows uh, how shit works. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our show, where we talk about what we're stoked on. Uh, Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on a couple of things. I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheel straight out of San Francisco, California. I'm stoked on Mona El Tahawi. She's an Egyptian American author. Uh, she has a new newsletter. It's called Feminist Giant. You should subscribe to it. And if you got money, you should pay for it because you should support good writers and bloggers. And because of the Noah video, I am stoked on Ultra Vivid Scene's song Mercy Seat. Jason, what you stoked on? Yeah. Well, um, y'all know I'm the resident uh, video game liaison for this podcast. So uh, along those lines, uh, pretty stoked on the new game Star Wars Squadrons because my whole life, since I was like four, I wanted to be an X-Wing pilot for the Rebel Alliance. And you get to do that in this game, and it's pretty sick. You also get to be a, uh, what should we call it, TIE fighter pilot, kind of like at the same time. And I haven't, right. even, gotten, yeah, I haven't even gotten into like the multiplier, multiplayer component yet, but like it's sick. Like you'll be like in a dogfight or whatever, but it's like, outer space so it's like 360 like there's no horizon or ground or anything so pretty stoked on that also stoked on an instagram account called pier 7 sf which is uh pretty much what you think it would be it's just like long lost never before seen or you might have seen them like clips from pier 7 there's a super sick one with uh tommy wisdom which is like one of the longest lines like i've ever seen at pier 7 like it's up there with anything like Lavar ever did, so that's shout a pretty LeVar. sick. Yeah, yeah, shout out sure. That's a sick one. Good follow, and also uh, of course Venture Trucks straight out of San Francisco, California. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on a vest that I recently got. I'm still, Ooh. I'm still like uh, a little wary of the vest. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to how to style it properly. But um, I'm wearing it inside the house. It's it's nice to work with. You know, it's it's like uh, got the double zip, so I can unzip the bottom for when I'm sitting down. And yeah, I'm kind of like dipping my toe in the vest game. And um, I'm stoked about it so far. You know, it's fall. It's perfect vest season. Vests are uh, vests are pretty hot right now in the streets. See a lot of people rocking them. Yeah. Dang. Look at you styling at the crib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe this weekend I'll I'll take the vest out see how it goes you gotta get at least a clip in it even <laughs> just a little flat ground yeah i might have to get a clip in the vest well that's our show for this week uh be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to things that we talked about and other show notes until next time you can keep up with us all week online jason where can the people find you on the twitter shout out skate twitter at carbonite1994 on instagram at frozen carbonite and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com new feature this month if not this if not the upcoming week then uh definitely this month so it should be pretty sick nice patrick where can the people find you you can find me on skate twitter shout out to indigo willing and anthony Popolardo, who apparently have a book coming out uh yeah. my twitter handle is Here I am. yeah my twitter handle is at colonel k speaks or you can find me on instagram posting weird obscure music at P. Kigongo. Templeton, where can the people find you upon the internet? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, 
skate twitter at mostly skate and on instagram at mostly skateboarding uh definitely looking forward to jason's upcoming piece that he told us about uh and also patrick's instagram stories are well worth following always something interesting there um always learning something there Uh, oh thank you yeah thanks for that and uh we'll see you guys next week Testify